y'all are used to seeing Bobby, ain't you? Right, lately, it's been uh, it's been a couple, almost two months, I think. Uh, my name is Nick Adams. As I said, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I love that I, I get to help people. If you if you need to know what I do, I like to help people. Uh, that's the easiest way for me to put it. And uh, I'm grateful that I have an opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. And um, yeah. We're starting a brand new series, a uh, new year, new series, right? Um, it is called Faith and Discipline. Um, how many of you like discipline? <laughs> Nobody, right? Not many people raise their hand. But the people, well, I, I guess Bobby in the last two services put it this way. Uh, what's something you're good at? Anybody? Eating? Hey, skating. It's, uh, skating, Miss Doris. Oh gosh, Miss Doris, how long you been skating? Since 1957. Okay, why are you good at skating? Because it's relaxing, but because you've been doing it since 1957, right? You had a lot of practice, right? But that took discipline, right? To get good at something, you got to practice, right? What about uh, Alan Iverson said, practice, man? We're talking about practice. But Alan Iverson never won no championship, did he? So there is a little something to practice. That's part of what discipline is. Uh, Jordan, who's one of the other pastors here, uh, drew actually drew this graphic uh, that is on the screen. Um, and if you notice, there's the Bible and there's a tree coming out of it. We need to be rooted in the Word. And what comes out of that is this tree that does what? Produces branches, which produce fruit. And uh, that's part of what we're going to be talking about this morning. And then discipline. Uh, you know, there's because we're in a fallen world and we're in this world, uh, there's going to be all kinds of things that distract you and that... Uh, hinder you and if you don't have that shield of discipline the way jordan drew it when those things come you don't have anything to protect yourself you don't have the truth or the word to be rooted in to know the difference between those things um so faith and discipline and the first discipline we're talking about this is um i think there's six of them um that we'll be going through in the next couple of months the first discipline is like practice, what do you have to do? What are you doing when you when you practice? You're spending time, right? It takes time to get good at something. Well, if any of you were to say, how many of you would like to be a better Christian? How many of you would like to get good at at your faith or your relationship with God? Well, guess what you got to do? You got to spend time with Him. And that's the whole point of, of this message and this first discipline is spending time with, with your Master. We're in John chapter 15, and uh, I'm going to read it through one time, and then uh, we're going to talk about it and see uh, what Jesus is saying here. In uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, uh, if it's a little different than what you have, uh, but here we go. 
It starts by saying, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. And you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First thing I noticed was Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. Well, why did he have to say I'm the true grapevine? Almost uh, implying that there's, there's these other grapevines out there that are not true. And what he's trying to say is, you got to remember, Jesus is speaking mainly to a, a group of Jewish people. His disciples were mostly Jewish. Uh, and I don't assume that many of you in here are Jewish, right? So this might not render the same kind of feeling, but to take you back to that time, grapevines were a huge thing in Jewish culture. Uh, this is... Uh, at the time of Jesus' ministry, this is right here at the end. This is when he's telling and preparing his disciples for when he's going to leave. Uh, and at Passover, they even have a cluster of grapes or fruit of the vine, they would call it. And it symbolized God's goodness to his people. And um, what Jesus is saying by saying, I'm the true grapevine, Israel was in the Old Testament, always portrayed as the vineyard. And God even spoke about it in Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and other books in the Old Testament. But Israel always thought that the, because they were God's chosen people, that's what made them right with God. Almost like because of who they were, that is, is how they got to where, where they were. And what Jesus was saying is, just because you're God's chosen people doesn't mean that you don't have to have a relationship. And to get to God, you got to go through me. Why? Because what did Israel do just like anybody else? They sinned, right? They always fell short. Uh, Isaiah, in chapter 5 of Isaiah, I'll read it right quick just to help you out. It says, talking about... Uh, Israel, and it says, a song about the Lord's vineyard. Just listen to it right quick. It says, My beloved has a vineyard on a rich, fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with choice vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were wild and sour. Now you people of Jerusalem and Judah... Have heard the case, you be the judges. What more could have I have done to cultivate a rich harvest? Why did my vineyard give me wild grapes when I expected sweet ones? Now this is what I'm going to do with my vineyard. I will tear down its fences and let it be destroyed and break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make, a, make it a wild place. I will not prune the vines or hoe the ground. I will let it be overgrown with briars and thorns and I will command the clouds to drop no more rain on it. What Jesus is saying is, I'm the true grapevine. I, only Jesus, is going to produce 
fruit in your life. Why? Because Jesus is the only person that gave his life for you. And we know that the penalty of sin is death, right? And the price of that is blood. And only Jesus did that. There ain't no other God, any other gods, any other religions, especially during that time and in this time, they're just in different shapes and sizes and forms. But uh, only Jesus paid the price. That's why he says, I'm the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. So God is, if Jesus is the vine and God is the gardener, what does that mean? Some translations say vine dresser or husband man. Just means he takes care of it. He cultivates the soil. He cuts off, prunes branches. He's the sun, the rain. He, he's the one that takes care of you. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. That's where the discipline comes in. But if you notice in the title of this whole series, it says faith and discipline. And faith is first for a reason. Because if you don't have faith, what is faith? Just simply what you believe and put your hope and trust in, right? If you don't have that belief, then it doesn't matter what kind of discipline you put after it. It isn't going to last. It isn't going to measure up. So it doesn't matter what kind of rules or guardrails or seatbelts you put on your life. If you don't believe, it isn't going to matter. So that's why faith comes first. Then, after you have faith, guess what? God gives you what you need before you even know you need it. I heard somebody say, I think it was John Piper in a message I was listening to, which didn't really have anything to do with this, but I remembered, uh, I think he was talking about why we needed Christmas, but he said, what if I sent an ambulance to your house? And they went and knocked on the door and told you, hey, we're coming to pick you up. You need to get in this ambulance with us. You would think they were crazy, right? But what if they knew beforehand that you were going to get into an accident or some danger or harm was coming your way and that they were there to rescue you, right? A lot of times you don't know you need rescuing until you go through some kind of pain or suffering or trouble, right? A lot of times you don't know you need to be pruned. You don't know you need something cut off of you until after the fact. But that requires faith, right? It requires faith to trust that God knows what I need even when I don't. That's what he's saying by that. He prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So this week, knowing that this is the text, I'm on YouTube looking up how to grow grapes and how uh, vineyards grow and how they prune back vineyards or vines and... To be able to produce more grapes for the next year at the end of the season, they go through and cut off branches. Almost at the, the root of where it started. They leave just a little bit. Some of you might feel like that right now. You feel like you've been cut off and you, you're just a nub. And you're wondering why. But just know that God does that because he knows what you need and you have to have the faith that, that whenever you do start growing back, you're going to produce more 
than you did before. How many of you want to stay where you're at? How many of you want to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? I don't. Miss Trudy, I don't know if y'all heard much of children's sermon. I heard bits and pieces of it. But I don't even know if she knows this is what we're talking about. We don't talk about what we're preaching on and what she's teaching. But with the sock, right? When something served its purpose and you know, and you keep hanging, let's say you got this favorite pair of socks and this, and they're, they're supposed to be bright white and they're not anymore. They're kind of dingy, a little yellow and they got holes all in them and you're still hanging on to them because these are my favorite pair of socks. And you don't realize that that thing ain't serving you anymore. Even if it is, it isn't as good as it could be because you're not willing to let go of it. That's what that pruning is. God's saying, I got something new to give you. I want you to step into something new. It's a brand new year. Everybody's got resolutions, right? We're going to watch what we eat or exercise more or I'm going to read my Bible through in a year or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. How do you do it? By spending time, right? A lot of people don't like to spend time because it's a sacrifice, right? I would say until you realize what God has done for you, until you realize the lengths He went to go and rescue you, and what Jesus did for you. It's hard to be disciplined. It's hard to want to read your Bible. It's hard to want to study. It's hard to, to get in that daily habit, right? I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I do know from my own experience that when I have faith, when I step into something unknown, and when I do things I don't necessarily want to do, stuff grows that I never thought would grow. I never thought I'd be standing up here talking to y'all. Preaching isn't, public speaking isn't something I would say I'm good at. Um, but I asked God, what do you want me to do with my life? I chased all these other things for a long time. And I never was satisfied. About every three or four years, I wanted to start a new career, or quit my job, or whatever. And I didn't realize because I wanted to hold on to these worldly things that God was trying to do something new with me. God was trying to tell me what he wanted me to do. And I was just reluctant to give up my old pair of socks, so to speak. And God loves you so much that he will do things for you that, that, you, that you don't even want or you don't even know you need. And then when you start stepping into those things, you start to realize this not only serves me, but serves other people. Miss Trudy talked about it. These socks don't serve me anymore. Well, God not only gives you stuff to help you, but to help other people. Because why? Because He gets the glories. There's a lot of things that you might be holding on to that that you need to let go of. But the only way you know that is by spending time with God. You have already been pruned. Verse 3 says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Jesus is talking to His disciples saying, the time you have spent with me has already been a pruning and a cleaning. 
Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. How many of you like flowers? I like flowers, sure. Uh, my wife likes them more than I do. Uh, but what do you do? You get flowers, right? But every uh, Jordan tells this funny story, and I relate to it a whole bunch, is anytime you go to the grocery store and you see some flowers, and you get the flowers, and you're holding them, and you're in line, and, and you're like, I bet somebody thinks I've done something wrong. That's why I'm holding these flowers. <laughs> and it's, I don't get them all the time just as a, you know, I'm sorry, but just to try to show Chrissy, you know, I love you even... Even if you deserve it or not, I, I love you. Because God loves me that way. Right? What? <laughs> because it's not, about, it's not about that, right? It's not about if you... Because God doesn't treat us that way, right? We don't deserve it. It's not this reward-based system. Y'all done threw me all off. (laughs) But when you get flowers, they're cut, right? And you pour that little white packet of stuff in there thinking they're going to last long, and they don't last but four or five days maybe. Why? Because they're not connected to anything. The whole point of what I was trying to say is (laughs) you have to be connected to God to keep growing. Bobby has said it another way. If you cut your pinky finger off and throw it over there in the corner, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. That's kind of a drastic illustration, but you have to be connected. Spend time with God. That... God gave us this word right here, which is why that illustration is the, that tree coming out and those roots being rooted in this word. God give you a guide to life. I'm not the most scholarly person or the smartest guy in the world, but I know that when I do stuff I don't want to do to grow closer to God, it produces stuff in me that not only helps me, but helps other people. And I don't know too many people that couldn't get along with that. Jesus, some translations use the word abide. I think CSB says abide in me and I will remain in you. Remain, the Greek word for remain is minnow. And uh, I looked it up and that word means a lot of or there's a lot of different definitions to it, but remain to sojourn, to tarry, to endure, to remain as one, not become different or another. Only thing Jesus is asking you to do is just hang out with Him. Spend time with Him. My grandpa used to say, and I didn't understand it when he used to say it, but he said the title of every message could be, it ain't easy, but it's simple. God makes it super simple. Spend time with me and you'll produce fruit. That Not only for you, but for other people. Verse 5 says, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. What kind of fruit do you produce? 
What does your life say? Everybody has some sort of values or moral compass, whether they know it or not. Do your values do what you say you believe? Does what you say you value line up with how you live your life? Bobby said it another way, uh, which I find myself repeating more and more. Uh, him and Angie's 29th anniversary is today. I don't know if they're still here. Just part of the reason I'm up here so they can enjoy time together today. Um, but he said, well, you know, what if I told Angie when we got married, I'm going to spend an hour with you on Sunday and maybe 15 minutes in the morning. Will that be good enough for you? Do you think she would have signed that contract? But that's what we do with God sometimes, isn't it? We come in here for an hour on Sunday and we do a little devotion in the morning and, and then we check that box of, you know, I spent time or I did my thing and we count that as good, right? And then you wonder why you have so much anxiety or so much, uh, so many distractions. Have you ever, one of my, I don't even call it a resolution, I do it from time to time by just praying to God and asking Him, you know, what do I need to give up? What is something that, that has either come alongside of you that is a distraction or even something that I put in front of you? Sometimes that's my telephone. Sometimes it's TV. Sometimes it's certain types of food. Sometimes it's coffee. It, you don't know until you ask. But instead of holding on to this thing that you think is getting you through, maybe it's caffeine in the morning. I can't do nothing without my caffeine in the morning. What if, instead of first thing when you get up making that pot of coffee, you pray or spend time with God and say, God, you know my needs, you know my heart. And you let the Word help you in your prayers. I got this journal that I started, and uh, it gives you these verses of Scripture, and it asks you to rewrite them as prayers. And it's almost like a mind trick because I know who God is, and the person that, that, that made me and, and everything in creation, you're not just going to halfway do that. You're not just going to halfway write a prayer back to them. So you really, I really sit down and think about it. And I realize how weak my prayer life is by rewriting those scriptures. Uh, this is a planner. And y'all see, y'all probably see me carrying it around if you see me in the hallway and uh, people pick on me about it. I never carried one. I'm a kind of fly by to see you pants guy. I don't really like making plans. I like to be surprised. I like adventures. And I realize people ask me to do stuff or ask me to pray for them or ask me stuff all the time. And I forget it. I carry this book around to write those things down and also to write down what I want to, what I know I need to do more of. Maybe that's spend time with my wife, my kids, pray more, exercise, whatever. It's funny, uh, Beth, the youth uh, director, got me one of these books. And I was like, I'm, not, I'm never going to read that or I'm never going to use that. And, uh, through discipline, through spending time with God, I realize the importance of using tools to help you. You got all kinds of tools. You got a computer in your pocket that can put the Bible in 400 different translations if you want it. 
But what do you use it for? Stay connected. It's last, if, if I could point out anything to you today, just stay connected. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. That very last sentence tripped me up a little bit. For apart from me you can do nothing. First time I read that, I thought, well, I can still do things without God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can still do stuff. But then I thought about it. What's one thing that's going to happen to everybody? I ain't never knew anybody that didn't ever die. I think there was two guys in the Bible, and they didn't technically die. Maybe, uh, what was it, Elijah got called up to heaven. Well, he still left here. So you can say it a different way. Uh, but we're all going to die, right? So what's the only two things you can take with you to heaven? Praise and people. So you can do stuff in this life, but it ain't going to matter because you can't take none of that stuff with you. All that career and accomplishment and goals and NBA championships and whatever you, whatever you do, whatever you're good at, Think about why you're good at it or why you love it. And remember that at the end of the day, you can't take nothing but people and praise to heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't do anything that's going to matter or last. So stay connected. It ain't easy, but it's simple. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for just an opportunity to learn more about you, to, to tell people how much you love them and, and uh, what you do for them, what you can do for them, dear Lord. I pray that if there's anybody here that don't know you, dear Lord, that they would just have the, the faith to step out and just ask you. I pray for the people in here that do know you, dear Lord, but maybe just got some things out of line or have priorities mixed up, dear Lord. That we all would just have faith to not let the things of this world distract us, dear Lord. Help us to remain in you and remember that when we're close to you, as James 4, 8 says, when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And that you're the only thing that sustains us, dear Lord, and helps us grow. And, and I just pray that for everybody in this room, including myself, dear Lord, that we'll just have the faith to step out and into things that that are uncomfortable and new because that's where you work and that's where uh, less of ourselves shows up and more of you does. God, I just thank you for this time and I just pray that uh, in this last song, dear Lord, that we'll just connect with you and uh, we'll just let that bleed out into the rest of our week, dear Lord. And uh, I look forward to what you're going to do. I love you. Amen.